Welcome to Course Stories, produced by the Instructional Design and New Media Team of Ed Plus at Arizona State University. In this podcast, we tell an array of course design stories alongside other ASU Online designers and faculty. On today's course story, I've also been delivering workshops um, to help other instructors who are interested in doing gamification to apply some of it in their class as they see appropriate. And I think that if you if you think about like the broader picture, I think it is about the limitless possibilities and opening up people's curiosity and imagination. I mean, a year ago, a year and a half ago, when COVID hit, it forced so many educational institutions, not just higher in, higher ed to the online format, a lot of instructors were not sufficiently prepared to teach online, right? So I was also hoping that by sharing this example with more people, they can start seeing, oh, wow, like it's, it's different. And there's so many things that I can do with the aids of technology that it, you know, that can just engage my students and better their learning experience in just so many different ways. Hi. I'm Mary Loader, an instructional designer from ASU Online. I'm Ricardo Leone. I'm a media specialist at the same place. Yeah, we work together. Let's get on with the show. Okay. Hi, Mary. Hi, Ricardo. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. I'm excited. This is our first episode of Course Stories. It is. And I'm really excited because we have not only in this episode an awesome topic around gamification, but we also have a whole series of courses we'll be exploring over the next session. And we cannot wait to share the rest of these stories with you. Yeah. Yeah. I looked at the list of, of potential guests that we're going to have on. And it looks looks pretty cool. Yeah. Really diverse and interesting things that they're doing in the classroom and ways they're using technology. It's quite cool. So, Mary, who is this podcast for? Oh, good question. This podcast is actually for any inspiring instructors or other designers or even students, but it's really meant to encourage folks to think about what's possible and what we're already doing and encourage individuals to not only apply some of these ideas, but maybe join the class and experience it for yourself. Oh, excellent. So there's a wide array of people that could listen to it and benefit from this uh, podcast. Absolutely. I feel like we are giving people access to ASU like we have as employees. We Mm -hmm. were just talking about how lucky we are because we get to interact with all these really amazing individuals all over the globe because of our access to Arizona State University. And this is giving that access to everybody. Excellent. So Mary, when can listeners expect to hear these episodes? I think our next podcast episode will be released in two weeks. So we're going to be on a bi-weekly release schedule. Nice. Yeah, I'm excited. We have a lot of courses we could explore. So this <laughs> could go on forever. Oh my goodness. Let's get on with it. What, who, who's on our show today? Oh, yeah, I'm excited. In this episode, we tell the course story of OGL 575, which is called Quantitative Data Analysis. It's a statistics class. <laughs> okay, super, that sounds fun so far, I guess. Super. <laughs> no, but it is fun. Um, the instructor, Mai Trin, gamified and used some very intentional pedagogical strategies for oh, this course. Mary, hold on. <laughs> You're using a lot of big words here. What, uh, what do those mean exactly? Sorry. Um, feel free to interrupt me anytime. But Perhaps I will. Okay. Gamification. What is, what is that? Gamification is using intentional gaming elements in your course. So having a point system is gamifying your course. Having a boss that you have to battle or having uh, resources that you need to collect in order to achieve a certain outcome. And we'll hear more from Mai on how she applied gamification in her own course. But yeah, it's designing your learning experience in a gamified way. 
Oh, cool. So it's applying the the, uh, the ideas around how a game works uh, yeah. to your course and how you get your grades. So you're essentially earning points to uh, get a grade. Absolutely. And there's usually a leaderboard to make the experience kind of competitive as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it's fun. Very motivating, actually. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this other word. Pedagogy. <laughs> pedagogy. Yeah. Well, pedagogy is most commonly understood as an approach to learning. So it's the intentional design of learning to ensure that all of the elements that you're putting together are really maximized and optimized um, for adult learners and children. Pedagogy applies to learning for both. Excellent. So that, I mean, that's essentially what we're going to be talking about this this for this entire podcast. It is the podcast. It is it, the podcast. It is exploring pedagogy. Okay, great, great. So that so you're going to have to hold my hand a little bit through a lot of these kind of uh, bigger concepts. So so maybe we'll uh, interject throughout the podcast with little uh, little uh, things that can help the listener understand better uh, the concepts that we're talking about. I love that, and vice versa, because I'm sure we're going to get into media spaces where I do not understand, and so I'm going to pause you as well. Okay, I'll get Google ready. Okay, perfect. So the developer and the instructor, Mai Trin, um, she took what she knew about experiential learning and the union of technology and content and pedagogy and created a gamified course to help her students through the mysterious and sometimes terrifying world of statistics. I know I actively avoided statistics in my own programs, um, so I understand that. And we're going to be listening to her story as she walked through the process and outcomes along with her instructional designer, Meredith Savides. Meredith has been an instructional designer with ASU Online for the last three years, but prior to coming to ASU Online, she was an instructor in K-12. through So she has a lot of experience not only in the pedagogical side of higher ed, but also in the pedagogical side of K-12. through So lots of good information shared between the two of them today. Oh, I can't wait to hear it. Let's get started. Let's do it. All right. I'll, I'll cut it where you said let's get started. That was nice. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hi, uh, my name is Mai Tring. I'm an assistant professor in leadership and integrative studies in the College of Integrative Sciences and Arts at Arizona State University. My research interest is leader development from the perspectives of complex adaptive systems and experiential learning. And in my teaching, I teach uh, classes in leadership, research methods, and statistics. My name is Meredith Savides, and I'm an instructional designer. I work with Mai Trin in the Organizational Leadership Program at ASU Online. Mai, I'm so happy that you're here with us today to talk us through this course story. Uh, One of the most interesting pieces of this course is your use of gamification, and we'll talk about that a little bit today. Uh, But that's one of the pieces that makes this so unique. Mai, we first started working together with the course when we were working on some play posit videos and kind of went back and forth with that. And then recently getting your course QM certified, kind of we went back and took a deep dive. And that's when some of the really interesting aspects of the course were sort of highlighted um, for me and, and for my team as well. Could you tell us a little bit about your course? Sure. So my course is OGL 575 and that is Quantitative Data Analysis in Leadership Research. It is a fully online asynchronous course um, that is targeted to the master's level students. It is offered in seven and a half weeks um, and is, again, asynchronous. So students can take the class at their own time, at their own pace, and uh, hopefully come out with some better understanding and application of statistics. Wow, that sounds interesting. How long have you offered this course? So I started offering this course in the fall of 2020, 
And so this is my fourth time offering the course. Excellent. Mai, what excites you about this course? You know, I really designed the course so that it would be fun. I've been teaching statistics since probably 2012. And with my experience, I know that students come into the class with a lot of fear, anxiety, and they're just not excited, right? I would love to say that, hey, everyone loves statistics, right? But unfortunately, I've had enough experience to know that that's not true. And so I think the challenges for uh, an accelerated online class is always, you know, the lack of student engagement and the lack of interaction. Sure. And so to add that on to such a kind of fearful topic such as statistics can just create a nightmare for students if I'm not careful. And so drawing from my training in experiential learning theory with David Kolb, I really designed it to be fun, to be an experiential process, to bring students into the journey and gamified it to be like a video game. So in this class, students actually read a comic style textbook and they will kind of understand the storyline. They go along with the protagonist in the storyline on the journey to learn statistics, to find the solve the mystery, right? Save the princess, kind of, and save the world eventually. And then there are buttons to click and coins to find and quests to complete and bosses to defeat. There's a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> there are zombies too. And it's just really fun. And so sometimes the game playing, the gamification aspect of it help alleviate some of that anxiety sure. that students associate with statistics. That sounds awesome. Where were you when I was in statistics? My <laughs> So let's talk about some of the learning objectives. What do you hope students will take away from this course? You know, the formal learning objective for the course is that students will have a better understanding of statistics. They won't be able to apply the appropriate techniques to analyze the data. Um, they won't be able to understand more about research in general and conduct research in a more ethical manner with integrity. But above all, and I think above, um, you know, all of the content that I deliver in the class, I want students to walk away with a strengthened learning identity. And learning identity is, you know, one's deeply held belief about oneself as a learner. I want them to be able to figure out the problem. They, they may not know the answer, but they can know the process or the method to find out the answer. I want them to be confident about their own ability. If you come into my class thinking, oh my gosh, I hate numbers, I can't do this, right? You're going to walk away feeling like, no, you know what? It's not as scary as I thought, and I got it. Like, it's not easy. I mean, a stat is still very difficult. You still have to spend a lot of time and effort on learning the materials. Like that's not going away. But after you've spent those hours, you will learn that, okay, these are effective and these are not effective ways to look at it, right? For example, asking questions are encouraged. Asking for help is recommended in the class. If you have you know, questions about something, ask me. Like, please, please, please ask me questions. Staring at the textbook in agony, figure and, and thinking to yourself, like, why did I miss this question? is not a good way to learn statistics. And so above all, I think that I want students to walk away feeling more confident about themselves, feeling better about their ability to overcome obstacles. And I think that strengthened sense of learning identity is going to accompany students for a lot longer than the time that they spend with me in class. That's awesome. And do they? Do they walk away with that? 
Uh, well, I've only taught it for a year now, so I don't have a lot of data points. But I have received a lot of positive feedback from students about the gamification format of the class and the way that I conducted the class, the way that I interacted with them and helped them through the journey. Most of them, if not all, commented that they prefer this method over a traditional. Way to learn statistics. Sure. I mean, yes, it's still hard, and yes, they still have to work hard, but uh, they feel like they learn the material in uh, a lot better, and they had a lot more fun during the process, and they did walk away with a strengthened sense of, okay, now I can do this. Sure, great. I have a quick question about your textbook. Uh, you have the textbook "An Adventure in Statistics: The Reality Enigma," and you. Talked about it a little bit. It's like comic book style. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, which came first, the course design idea or the text? Well, so it all happened in uh, August of 2015 or 16, one of those years. I was attending uh, the biggest professional conference in my field, the Academy of Management Conference, and I was I was walking around the exhibition booth in which you know publishers come and kind of showcase what they have, and I saw the book. At that time, I already had a few years of experience teaching statistics. I know the author, Andy Field. I know his work. I've used it in both my classes and my research before. So I know that the content is legit. Like, this is a good textbook. And then I pick it up and I flip around and I saw, you know, the storyline, the the comics that is in the textbook itself. And I was like, okay, this is it. Like, this is the book that I'm going to use uh, from here on for my students. Kind of fun fact about it, though, is that when I took the book from school to home, and at the time I had a six-month-old baby, my husband actually thought that I bought the book for the baby. <laughs> <laughs> We're starting statistics young. <laughs> so what was your experience uh, developing or designing the course? Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, sure. It was um, very time-consuming, and but also very fun. So I started out knowing that I wanted to gamify the course, and, and that's because of the challenges that I just mentioned, right? This is an online graduate-level accelerated statistic class. Like, all of those elements are kind of disadvantages when you think about designing. And so I kind of laid out a brief outline of the courses, what are the gamification elements that I can include. I did some Google search, found some community on Canvas, a little bit of um, research on gamification, and identify I- items like badges, an item shop, bosses, quests, leaderboard, things like that. So I just kind of, you know, map out paper and pencil on how to include those things. And then uh, work with, I use Barger for um, giving the badges in the class. I also kind of just develop all of the materials, lecture videos, tutorials, quizzes, practices, things like that, just like a normal course. So it was a very much interactive experience um, between education content and technology. Um, and if you know the TPAC model in education, and Marilyn Fulton uses it a lot, right? I really, um, you know, was circling around that model and situating in between the three Venn diagram. Like, 
though all of those three elements, technology, education, the pedagogy, right, and, and content really interacted with each other. There are times that I've made decisions that then need to be changed because, for example, like the technology offer more. Um, you know, because you've helped me with the play posit, um, <laughs> content, like the lecture videos. Okay. As promised, I'm going to interject. Okay. All right. So I've heard of play posit, but I only know of it as, uh, as something that they do after I'm done, uh, working on the video. Well, that's true. PlayPosit is an experience that you use to host a video. So it could be a lecture created in your studios or a lecture from YouTube. And you can pull that video into PlayPosit and then embed intentional interactions like a knowledge check or a moment to pause and reflect or a circle back. So if you didn't get something correct, it can intentionally jump you back in the video to the place where that content was told to you so that you can pass the knowledge check. So it's a really dynamic tool. And then in Canvas, you can use it as content. So it could just be in a Canvas page, or it can be an assignment associated with points, which makes it possible to use it in gamification. I see, I see. So essentially, it's an interruption uh, in the content that the student is uh, experiencing. Absolutely. And it keeps it very interactive. Yeah, it's absolutely (laughs) awesome. I love that tool. Now I can offer uh, self-check interactive questions right in the middle of the lecture videos that without that technology, it would have just been like a a normal quiz. And um, students said that they liked those self-check questions. They even liked the avatar that I asked you to put in in there, right? They felt like, okay, well, Dr. T's here with me. And she cheered me on when I got the right answers. Yes. And so, I mean, it's a very much dynamic interaction of those three elements. And so in case anyone's interested or curious, uh, I spent about a total of 200 hours on designing that course. Wow. That's a lot. From scratch. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great course, though. Um, Could you, for anyone who's listening who doesn't know too much about um, gamification, could you tell a little bit about that? Sure. So gamification is broadly defined as the use of game elements, video game elements, in non-game context. And it may sound foreign, but actually gamification has kind of already invaded our lives. Um, I'm sure, for example, at ASU here, some of us may participate in the health impact program, the HIP program, that this year they roll out with the version Pulse, right? You do these activities, you get this number of points, and then once you reach this milestone, like 2,000 points or 10,000 points, you get something, mm-hmm. right? And that is the kind of award point structure in gamification, Leaderboard also, for example, um, is something that Badger provides in Canvas, and it lets students know anonymously who's getting how many badges and who's leading. You know, where's your ranking regarding um, relative to the class? And you would think that, you know, that's something a little silly, but I was really surprised. Um, I have quite a few type A students in the class. Oh, of course. And they yeah. wanted to lead the leaderboard. They wanted to collect every piece, uh, piece of coins that I scattered around. And it, it was like a surprising, motivating factor. Yeah. No, that's awesome. No, that's like giving my high school students stickers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'll still do the work. Right. <laughs> All right. So 
Thinking about uh, making this meaningful for learners, uh, what will students learn in the course? So, of course, they will learn statistical skills and knowledge. But then, other than those things, I also want to learn them to learn、um, collaboration. I want them to learn about critical thinking, communications, all of those strong skills that needed in the twenty first century, right? And then, learning the skills of how to learn, learning how to learn, learning when they need to seek help and how to seek help, or learning to strategize. Because again, it ultimately is a game, and with a game, in order to win a game, you need to have a strategy. You can't just kind of blindly go out there and, you know, just do whatever, right? And so,、um, some of the activities in the class help students learn these things in addition to the to the content knowledge. For example,、um, I believe that learning from peers is a very important factor in higher education or education in general. And I want to help them collaborate without the pressure of having to collaborate, because we—I'm sure we all have nightmare stories about teamwork and people falling out. So I had something called the boss battles. Is a typical tough test in lay term, right? But students in the whole class can collaborate to defeat the boss, and so they can exchange answer, they can tutor each other, they can bounce answer off of each other. They meet. They they schedule study sessions on their own to to study the cross content, and they work together on this assignment, which is explicitly allowed in within the rule. And so,、um, again, it, it's just a very small thing in the design, but it really helps students really learn to facilitate those kind of collaboration、yeah. that, in ways that work for them. It's not small. <laughs> it's not. That's a.、Um, it says. You know, a small maybe it was a small idea, but that's a big thing to do for students. So, well, it's easy to set up. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so, how can a students apply what they learn in this course to their life? That's a good question. In our program, again, I I don't think any of our students are aspiring to be statisticians, <laughs> and so I place a heavy emphasis on you know you don't need to learn the formula behind the the test or the statistical technique. But you need to know that within given a situation, what are the questions that you need to ask? The hypotheses. What are the tasks that you need to perform, and how to perform them using SPSS or Excel? And the questions, a lot of them are applied nature. So, for example, and this is funny because just this semester, I had a student who asked me, like, you know, where where can I apply this? I don't see any application other than in research. And I was like, well, just you wait until week three, you'll know. <laughs> so I have questions from like handling of the coronavirus, teens' attitude about technology and Twitter specifically, people using to mobile devices around the world,、uh, child well well being, and that's a UNICEF dataset, the U.S. economies in the last few years, U.S. presidents, things like that. So questions about things that you. Will see and you will experience in your own life. You know, people may not think about it like that, but statistic is all around us. And so, as soon as you kind of have a good understanding of the basics of statistic, you'll start seeing it everywhere. And so, the applicability becomes somewhat natural. That's so cool. And kind of questioning, like, what data is kind of give, giving being given to you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You mentioned Badger. Mm-hmm. And the badges. Could you tell us a little bit more about、uh, Badger, and then continue with you know the badges that are that are given to students? Sure.、Um, so Badger is a third-party tool, right? And it can be integrated to Canvas. The way that it works is that 
When we set up modules within Canvas, you can set up the completion criteria for a module, and once that's achieved, then the module is marked as complete. So with the Badger integration, then once the module is marked as complete, the badge is awarded. And so in my course, I have 10 badges in total, and the students' final grades depend on the number of badges that they earn. So it's somewhat unique compared to the kind of accumulated point model of a traditional class. So nine badge, you get an A, 10 badges and an A plus, and then eight is a B, seven is a C, and so on. And so I have seven content badges, uh, and those correspond with the seven weeks, the seven modules, the chapters in the textbook, and the different topic areas that students need to prove their competency. And they achieve those badges if they pass a test with a score of 90% or above. So basically, you know, show me that you understand the content, you get the badge. Oh, Badger is really cool. We just got Badger across the entire university, so anyone can use Badger in their Canvas course, by the way. Badger is a way to create micro-credentials or micro-achievements, and you can associate very intentional, like, visual graphical icons that you can display on LinkedIn or use as achievements in a gamified course, for example, in this one. Perfect, yeah. Absolutely. And uh, you do certain things to get the badge automatically. So you have to set it up from the instructor side. But once you set it up, once a student goes through a certain competency or assignment, it will prompt Badger to award them with a badge, which is a visual digital icon. An NFT. An NFT, kind of. Yes, we are so innovative. (laughs) Um, But Badger is pretty great. And it does create that public place where a student or, you know, professionals can host their achievements or their milestones or their micro-credentials. So uh, are we going to get a podcasting badge? That'd be amazing. We We should should totally give those out. We'll make it really flashy because we have access to you and your team. All right, listener, if you listen to every episode of this podcast, we will give you a badge that shows that you have listened to every episode. And it will be really pretty. The other three badges are um, more on the type of activities that students do. One is a coin collector badge, and I have coins a student can earn in the class. They can earn coins by finishing practice assignments, and then they can also earn coins by uh, finding, like scavenger hunts, finding them scattered around the course. And the idea is, you know, if you spent time practicing the skills, you you should get something for it, right? You should have some, you you should get some credit for it. And the coins can then be used to purchase items that will help them in their journey. The items can give them hints uh, that can waive late submissions. Uh, they can even increase test scores. So if you spend enough time practicing, you know, it's, it's going to help your test. It's going to help your journey, your understanding. The ninth bash I have is something called the data critic bash, and that is based on discussion. I have discussion that helps students build skills related to quantitative research. For example, how do you find survey instrument? How do you develop surveys in Qualtrics, SurveyMonkey, or Google Forms? How, once you have data, what, how do you do? Like, how do you code them? Things like that. They can also discuss about ethical and unethical research practices, how to interpret correlation tables, those kind of things. So, um, if they earn a total of, I believe, 200 
um, discussion points to get the bash. And then the last one is the data slayer bash, and that's the boss battle. Right? If they accumulate a certain number of battle points, then they, they get the bash. And that one's the fun one too. <laughs> that's cool. So do they do that one, the boss bat or the, the boss Battle. Battle. That's one that they can do collaboratively? Yes. So would that would that mean that the whole group would get the badge? No. So ultimately, it is still individual submissions. Okay. But they can collaborate to submit. Okay. Uh, and the only limitation is that they cannot give out the straight answer, but they can you know discuss and compare and hint and do any other things that, that help other people. And I also have a bonus. So if the whole class average exceed 80%, everyone gets an extra reward. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned limitations. What, what were some of the limitations to your design? Did you have a, you know, a bigger idea and then mm -hmm. say, okay, I can't do this in Canvas or I can't do this with online students? Mm -hmm. What were some limitations? Um, so there are quite a few. In terms of design, for example, I was not aware of the full level of support in terms of technology that I have here at ASU. So I designed it like all by myself. And uh, so the pro of that is that my gamification course is very low tech and any instructor interested can do that pretty easily without relying on a lot of tech support. But the con of that is that, of course, it can be better, right? Uh, if it can make more it to be more like a game, then it's going to be a lot easier and more exciting and engaging for students. Right now, I have to rely on a third-party tool called Discord to kind of take care of the gamification part of it. Okay, Mary, I am a 37-year-old man. I have no idea what Discord is. Okay, I only know, well, I know about Discord, but I knew about Discord because of my kids, because it's an app that a lot of younger folks use. And in um, this course, my trend uses it in order to um, keep track of her chat and then gamify her chat and experiences there. So Discord is a chat app. And it's similar to um, programs like Skype or TeamSpeak or other professional communication platforms like Slack, which we have access to at the university, and Slack has passed our security review. So it's a much more secure platform, but you can host a wide array of chat options, and it's a really easy to use interface between both Discord or Slack. Great. Now I feel younger. <laughs> You've given me some cred. Meaning the progress, the points, the buying items, um, using items, things like that, all the actions that should be executable within a game. Now I have to, you know, use another tool to facilitate that and somewhat manually check it. So currently, for example, there's no immediate automatic integration between Canvas Create Center and Discord and gamification. So I have to manually kind of update, okay, well, these students have this many points and this many coins. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, the delay is minimal. I usually do that every day and does not take a lot of time. But sometimes, you know, when, when students achieve something, they kind of want to check their progress right sure. away. Yeah. And so it, it is a, a, a delay for students. Yeah, and thinking about um, scalability. Right, that's, exactly. Yeah. yeah, when you have a, a large class, that's not going to be doable. Sure. In terms of grading, mm -hmm. uh, is it only point accumulation from the coins and the badges, or are there other um, aspects of the grading, maybe using a rubric or something in the course? Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so the nice thing about grading statistics is that there is a right answer. 
<laughs> right? I mean, you're either wrong or you're right. So, so that is very helpful in setting it up as uh, gamification. So I mentioned the two types of badges that I have. The seven content badges are test. And so students are just graded as if it's a normal test out of 100. And mm-hmm. if they get 90, then they get the badge. Okay. And then for the other three uh, badges, the coin collector, the data critic, and the data uh, slayer, then it's an accumulation of points. So for example, with data slayer, I require 300 points. And the maximum that students can earn is actually 600. So they have six tries to get 300 points, which is, you know, a pretty low threshold. Yeah. How about um, limitations for students? Yeah, so, um, you know, it's a different course. And most people like it more than a traditional course, but some students struggle with the new format. The obvious disadvantage of this kind of design is that once students get loaded into Canvas and they see the course shell, they were like, wow, what is this? Right? It may look fun, but in the first week, it's very confusing. And um, I've tried my best to explain and make everything clear. And students do underst- uh, understand. They, they agree that I make everything clear. But it does take students at least a week to kind of get used to how things are structured. Sure. Where items are and, you know, where they can find certain stuff. Yeah. Kind so, of reframe their thinking about. Yep. So the learning curve is, sure. is steep in, in this sense. I do have a suggested timeline. So if students are not into gaming, and some students are actually turned off by, by the gaming, right? Then they can just follow the timeline and kind of take the course as a traditional seven-module traditional class. The, there's specific guideline for that to, to guide them up, um, through. And then uh, another, I guess, interesting point is that I built this course so that it will engage students, so that it won't be interactive. And some students just don't like that. You know, some students explicitly take online classes because they can just read the thing, read the textbook, do the assignment, get their grade, and don't need to talk to anyone. And in the past, I have had students who struggle with the content but refuse to talk to me or their classmates. And so, I mean, you know, I guess you can't, Please everyone, but sure. but there are some some types of students who, yeah. who will not like this. Format. They're in on ground courses too. <laughs> so. <laughs> so how does this course story end for students? I do know that a lot of my students share with me that their work already use a lot of data in statistics and analytics. So they can already readily apply what they learn in class in their work during the duration of the course. And then this course is also a required course for all students uh, completing a thesis within our degree program. So I know that for those students who move on to a thesis, and especially if they're doing a quantitative thesis. This is essential. Yeah, this course really definitely helped them. Then I was going to ask, is this at the end or my guess is, yes, toward the end? It's usually in the middle. Oh, okay. It's usually in the middle because um, for the thesis students, they will have uh, quite a few thesis credits to take after that. Okay. How did this course, you know, the process change the way you work going forward? Oh, this course has impacted me substantially in, in all of the aspect of my work. 
So research-wise, I'm now pursuing a line of research into gamification practices and the benefits that it can bring, especially to online classes and technical classes. And also just how gamification can help kind of create a more gender-sensitive educational experience for students. Talk more about that. The fact is that we have still have kind of underrepresentation of women and minority in STEM, right? And especially in social sciences, numbers, statistics are not something that our students like compared to, you know, math, technology, other fields. And I was wondering if, you know, something like gamification with a storyline, with a relational approach that you require you to interact with each other, Right. And you can kind of tell the, it's, it's not a course. It's a journey. Right. And these th- these skills are usually skills that females like better than males. And I was wondering if the use of gamification could also help kind of level the playing field a little bit. Right. Um, for the, for the women who come into the class thinking, you know, I'm bad at math. I'm not good at statistics. They can maybe see the story side of the course and see the character and maybe reframe their learning identity to be able to engage with the course in a different way. I mean, I know I have examples for, with my um, female working mother students, right? Um, one of them actually used this textbook, the, the, the comic style textbook, as the <laughs> bedtime story for her seven-year-old daughter. That's so cool. And, um, you know, every, I'm getting a copy. <laughs> you should. <laughs> and then, and, and the daughter asked, you know, well, are we gonna see, you know, read the story today? And she asked about graph. And my graduate student had to explain about statistics in graph to this seven year old. And she said that, you know, her daughter's going into, into, into STEM. Yeah. Well, if you can explain something to a seven year old, you've got it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I always think, um, for online courses, and I've mentioned this to a, a few of my faculty, could my mom do do this course? And she's seventy, and I and I thought that yes, with yours, like she would still like all these, all these different. All, she would still do the coins, and she would still like. Yeah, so my son, who is now three, uh, actually really liked the the textbook, and that's how he learned numbers because. Every night, he would flip through the textbook and stop at the chapter numbers, you know, one and two and three. And sometimes he skip the four and he was like, where's the four? Um, there's a cat in the, in the textbook, in the comics. And he was like, mommy, are we looking for the cat today? <laughs> it was really cute. So, so yeah, I think, I think like, you know, research wise, practice wise, teaching wise, it has a lot of implications. I think it's going to help instructors and students alike in other less resourceful communities have better, more engaging experiences in online. I think a lot of the kind of prejudice against online learning are coming from people who don't know how to do it right. Right. Even when I ha- talk to friends and families, students taking online courses and they say, oh, yeah, I hate this. You know, I want to go back to class, face to face classes because my online classes are boring. And I'm like, well, they don't have to be boring. Right. They can be very engaging and impactful, but you've got to know how to do it right. 
So I think there's a lot of value in kind of disseminating this kind of work, both in terms of research and teaching. Uh, I'm pursuing that line of research, but I've also been delivering workshops um, to help other instructors who are interested in doing gamification to apply some of it in their class as they see appropriate. And I think that above all, right, if you if you think about like the broader picture, I think it is about the limitless possibilities and opening up people's curiosity and imagination. I mean, a year ago, a year and a half ago, when COVID hit, it forced so many educational institutions, not just higher higher ed, to the online format. And given that shock, like a lot of instructors were not sufficiently prepared to teach online. And we simply just thought, you know, I'm just going to take whatever that lecture that I was about to deliver in person to online. Like, Record you know, it. Right. Add a video. Mm-hmm. And, and as we all know, I mean, online teaching is not an, a straight transfer of in-person materials to the online setting. It's, it's a lot more than just that, right? So I was also hoping that by sharing this example with more people, they can start seeing, oh, wow, like it's, it's different. And there are so many things that I can do with the aids of technology that it, you know, that can just engage my students and better their learning experience in just so many different ways. That's so exciting. I love everything about what you just said. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Mai. Uh, This has been a great conversation. I loved hearing everything. And we've we've talked about the course because Mm -hmm. we've worked together. I'm your instructional designer, but I haven't gone that in depth with you. So this is, um, I love hearing all this. Mai, thinking through your experience with designing this course, what advice would you give to other instructors who hope to implement some gamification uh, in their course? You know, where should they start their journey? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so in some of my training workshops, as well as in my manuscript in progress right now, I actually have a 10-point kind of step-by-step guide uh, checklist that they can follow. Um, but the, the overall advice I would say is to start slowly. Um, it is a continuing process. And so... Whether you are designing a course from scratch or if you are redesigning an existing course, I would suggest, you know, just adding things in slowly one by one and see what makes sense. And again, the first time around, it's not going to be perfect, right? And you will identify what works, what doesn't work, and then you revise it the next time. And as I mentioned before, this is the fourth time that I've worked, um, I've offered this course. And now it finally feel like, okay, everything is smooth. And it's changed a little bit every time. Right. Yeah. Any, uh, any thoughts or any ideas for, for other instructors who may be looking for inspiration in, in different places for designing their course? Well, a uh, shameless little plug for myself. <laughs> Read my uh, article when it comes out, right? Uh, but no, I think I... Um, Online, there are still a lot of examples of good gamified courses. Um, the Canvas community was where I found my own inspiration. And even though the literature is little, um, there are literature out there, uh, research studies done on gamification. So those w- those literature should be able to help instructors make at least some initial decisions. Mai, is there any place online where we should um, point our listeners to? Uh, sure. So my ASU profile is updated. Uh, it linked to my Google Scholar page, uh, my LinkedIn page, my CV, and everything that uh, people would be able to find. Thank you. Thank you for being here, Mai. This was great. Good it was conversation. my pleasure. Thank you. Okay. 
That was a very interesting conversation. Yeah, I can't wait to get that book. I'm actually going to go out and buy that book. The because, comic book? Yeah, maybe I'll know how to use statistics effectively. Oh, nice. I think that even though it sounds really fun, I think I am still going to avoid statistics. I think that's fair. You're in media, so potentially you'll have to use statistics, but maybe someone will create the statistical outcomes you then put on, you know, media. And then I'll go and buy the book. (laughs) I'll let you borrow mine. Okay, great. (laughs) So I really loved that she brought up gender and how her course and the gamification and the use of avatars helps remove gender boundaries that she has noticed and has been documented in um, statistics around um, people of color and women and those who just didn't feel like that was their space or place. Mm -hmm. And using this gamified experience helps everyone feel like it's their space and they feel like they're a part of a learning community that they belong to, which is really cool. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that she mentioned even even her avatar, students are responding well to. Yeah, exactly. And it's like a level playing ground. You're all playing the same game. You all have the same opportunity. Yeah, I love it. So Mary, what can the listener do? Like and subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends. And then in two weeks, come back because we're going to have another show. Oh, sounds good. Where can they find these shows? They can find them anywhere. Anywhere. We're everywhere. Everywhere. Apple, Spotify, everywhere. But you can also come to Teach Online. That's our hub for sharing all of the knowledge that we've accumulated over the last decade with ASU Online. So it's a great spot to dig in and listen to our podcast and maybe read some articles. Excellent. Like and subscribe. I feel like a child who's now a YouTube star. Like and subscribe. But truly, come back and listen. We have great stories to tell. So we're going to be hearing a lot of different voices in this show. Absolutely. We have a lot to pull from. We have 1,500 courses that run every session, and we develop approximately 300 courses every year in addition to what we already run. So there are a ton of stories to choose from. Course Stories is produced by the Instructional Design and New Media team at EdPlus at Arizona State University. Course Stories is available wherever you listen to podcasts. You can reach us at coursestories at asu.edu. If you're an instructor at ASU Online, tell us your course story and we may feature it in a future episode. Thanks for listening.